listening to the bomb hole. Bomb hole podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> the bomb hole. slide down in big hills. You know what I mean? On a big, nice burgundy snowboard. All right, here we go. We are back in the booth with another episode of the bomb hole, which is presented by Pub Beer. Now, Stony Buds, how are we doing today? So good, my dog. Love hearing that every time. To my left, we got Megan Pischke in the booth. Megan, how are we doing? I'm doing great. Really happy to be here. Well, we are thrilled that you are here. Uh, and for the listeners who are unfamiliar with Megan, she was a pro snowboarder for a long time. She's an incredible mom. She's a cancer survivor. She's a huge part of boarding for breast cancer. And she's got an incredible story, incredible human and we're just going to dive right into it. Uh, I kind of want to know how you found snowboarding and what it looked like at a young age. How I found snowboarding, uh, ditching high school classes uh, with some friends in Wheat Ridge and going up to St. Mary's Glacier, which no longer exists, um, if anyone knows, kind of melted away. Um, and where is that? It's kind of like up near Idaho Springs, um, up there before Loveland. In, in Colorado. In Colorado, yep. In Colorado. And, uh, yeah, that's what it looked like. It was on, like, a Sims and then a Kemper. And I would just ditch school with some friends, and we'd go up there and slide sideways. And I think we were just building little jumps. I don't think I even turned for a couple of years. Just went straight, hit jumps, landed sideways. You know, that's what it looked like. What, very, what year was beginning. this? 89, 90. Respect. Early days. Yeah. And then um, I moved to the mountains right away. And uh, I had my friend, I uh, had a friend who was in Denver who showed me photos of him jumping over a girl wearing a skirt, Jim Hale. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to jump over people. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so I moved to the mountains, got a job at Keystone cleaning condos. Um, and. Yeah, I just started, got a pass, moved to Breck, went to the World Cup up there, um, met a bunch of athletes, incredible people, and uh, Michelle Taggart being one. And uh, was like, wow, you can do this for a living? And uh, that's kind of what snowboarding looked for me. But, I mean, I just had a bunch of different jobs. You know, living in Breckenridge, every time it snows, it's a powder day. Shirt off my back, doesn't want to let you out of work, but you just have to quit and hope they rehire you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Dave England was a roommate in the very beginning. Um, yeah, we just, uh, we're just were weirdos, skateboarders and snowboarding, and that's kind of what it looked like, and I think it just became this, like, need to do for me. Wanted to do it all the time, especially because, you know, you're called a knuckle dragger. My, my dad, knuckle dragger. My dad was a ski patrol at a basin. Please don't snowboard, he'd say. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it looked like. Just, you know, hitchhiking to comps and um, meeting a lot of other athletes in the state. Um, yeah, that's those were kind of the early days, really early days of just cruising around. Um, the very beginning for me. Who was your first sponsor? Uh, Nitro Snowboards. Yeah, that was that was fun. There was a guy named Red Bear who I'd see up at <laughs> see up at uh, A Basin, and he's like, "Hey, do you want to get sponsored?" 
was like, yeah. So, yeah, I started going to trade shows. Um, met Whitey. Filmed my, um, filmed something with Whitey, a little something, but then dog met Dogger. That was kind of my first video part was with Mac Dog and Pocahontas. Oh, that's right. You were in Pocahontas, <laughs> huh? You know, I watched that just recently. I was like, Ooh. Didn't age well, huh, that movie? Oh, no, it's just a little, <laughs> uh, maybe culturally appropriate. Culturally inappropriate. In some ways, <laughs> but I know Dogger didn't mean any harm. Yeah. But it was just kind of the, the punk rock thing. And yeah, meeting Dogger was awesome and just really inspired by all that, that crew. And I don't know, it just, that's the thing is back then you're not planning like, okay, who are you going to film with this year? It's just kind of, you show up and you're like, Oh, that dude's got a camera. And as well as being in Colorado was such a Mecca in the early days in the nineties. Right. Like Justin Hostinick was somebody who was a very, ended up being a good friend, obviously twos working with twist me working with wave rave was another first sponsor of mine. Um, way brave in the beginning that was Barrett and I and my friend Natalie Murphy Sullivan we did um you know the Minx outerwear that was super fun so it was just everything was happening so fast it was kind of like we were building it as we went um it's such a different world nowadays but you know everyone had their crews there's like the Cali crew the Pacific Northwest crew Colorado crew East Coast crew and everybody was just kind of building their things in these places before you know social media connects everybody now and whatnot but back then it was just building something that you loved and making shit happen it's so good i love the fact that there was no roadmap and you guys were paving the way of how do we how do we make a career snowboarding we make videos we do contests and it's just such an interesting to think about now we have the Olympics and it's coaches and it's so widely known and it's, it's a main, it's pretty mainstream where I, I like to look back and think about it, you know, you're from your guys' perspective, like you guys were kind of outlaws. Like the, it seemed like everybody that was a snowboarder is like, you know, outcasts back then. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say that because snowboarding wasn't allowed at some resorts and you know, the ski patrol is always giving you the eye cause you're the snowboarder and who's going to jump the rope you know, kind of a thing. And yeah, there was kind of this outlaw, kind of that skater vibe where, um, you know, and then also we went through that part of the era and it's no offense to skiers, but all the skiers wanted to dress like snowboarders and, you know, it's just, it was just kind of that fun building phase. I think where, yeah, we just kind of felt we were cool, but in a good, healthy way. (laughs) And it's even wild to think about, you know, to even narrow it even more as, as a female snubber, that that must have been pretty rare at the time as well, right? Yeah, there was just a handful of us, right? So, I mean, you felt really lucky the first X Games comes around and a handful of us gets invited, which is really great. And um, or just going to contests and, you know, I don't know, you just kind of knew everybody. And, yeah, it allowed for a lot of firsts, that's for sure. I mean, something for me was really expanding backcountry. And so, yeah, first descents and whatnot, um, first woman to drop in on stuff or whatever. And just there allowed that room for a lot of firsts. But I, I don't remember ever thinking, like, oh, my God, I'm the first woman to have dropped in on this or whatever. It was just you're just doing doing stuff, right? So, yeah, and it was just everyone's such a close community as well. It wasn't that weird competitive edge. And even though contests weren't really my, like, focus and goal, um, I still would show up and have fun. And it's a good way to get yourself out there in the beginning, for sure. 
So true. It was so different back in the day. I remember I moved out to Colorado, and I'd see you and J2, and I think he had green hair. You maybe had blue hair for a minute or something. Yeah, cornrows, pink hair. Yeah, pink hair. That's what it was, the <laughs> cornrows. And you guys were like no couple I'd ever seen before. So I think Outlaw definitely fit the bill. But Weirdos. ripping skateboarders and, and killing it snowboarding. And there was no roadmap. That was so interesting to see how you say there's like, it was, you weren't thinking like I'm the first person to do this. You guys were just doing it. Yeah, we were just doing it, living it. And that's what was so great is, you know, going to the trade shows and everybody has these like-minded and yeah, there were crazy parties and stuff happening, but um, I don't feel like there was this huge plan to make the season happen. We're just waiting for it to snow. Everyone knows they're going to Tahoe a certain time of year and everyone's going to work towards AK a certain time of year. Um, and yeah, and then all these filmers and photographers and situations are just kind of growing, coming out of the woodwork. And it, it seemed like there was always something fun to do every season. Was there a good travel budget to get to places like Alaska? And Yeah, actually. I mean, back in the day, if you think about it in the nineties, I feel like I started to really get paid like, you know, mid to late nineties and yeah, if you'd established yourself in some way, shape, or form, I was doing a pro model with Lamar and and whatnot. And yeah, it was always like, okay, half my budget for AK, the other half for this. And you kind of have your hit list. And I mean, there was a lot of money in snowboarding back then, a lot of money. And that's because the marketing was magazines. The marketing was, you know, wasn't this social media free for all as it is now. Um, and now, you know, obviously they've reestablished different stuff now as far as who gets paid and who's going to share what but back then it was like you know the mags gets their ad and then um yeah and they they'd pay for a lot of these trips right like where are we going with trans world and you know i did a lot of my trips with mark gallup and he'd be like do you want to go to chile yeah great trans world needs an article <laughs> and then you're definitely going to have a published story huh yeah going yeah. on that trip it was like a guaranteed exactly and it was um like how are you going to get the cover how are we going to do this you know and anyways it was just a pretty awesome time well you just mentioned mark gallup we happen to have a guest question oh. from mark gallup himself here we go oh, hey migs mark gallup here you and i have done a ton of trips together back in the day first descents in greenland heli in chile Valdez, Alaska, Whistler, Island Lake Lodge, Colorado. You helped me win a photo contest in Colorado by riding a white horse naked. <laughs> you might want to explain this one. Anyways, a few of these adventures was all woman riders, true pioneers of the sport. Maybe talk about the dynamics of riding du femme, the influences your ride sisters have on you. In your experience... Where or when was the pinnacle moment where female riding really hit the main stage? That's a good question, Gallup. Thank you. Um, I would say, gosh, there were just so many influences that were, like I said, coming in fast, right? Jana Mayan was somebody who I was like, damn, she's got skate style. And then, you know, I looked to my best friend, Barrett. She was such a strong strong um really determined she was mentally determined um which was inspiring uh, victoria jalouse was somebody um i feel like there was all these different you know aspects kind of co converging at some point I, I can't give a specific time i'd have to say that time frame was like mid 
to late nineties for me when like you had the backcountry and you had the contest scene and, you know, like Janamai and hitting rails and you had like this whole, um, convergence, I guess, of women snowboarding. Like we're all out there doing something, focusing on something that we loved. And I feel like, and Cersei Wallace as well was somebody who I really looked up to. She had, um, she was a great snowboarder, but she carried something, um, as she still does. Yeah. You know, we all looked to Cersei was like, okay, how are we going to do this next contract? And what she did with Ride and what she did at Ride Snowboards. And so there was just all these different, like crazy superpowers that everybody had. So I don't know if there was a particular moment or if like one day you wake up and you're like, holy shit, I'm a part of a tribe of a bunch of badass women who are leading the way. And yeah, you have you know, young girls ask for your autograph and at the X games or in Japan or, um, yeah. And I would say that there's like a more of a broad answer on that one. What about this horse story he was talking about? Horse story. (laughs) You know what? That was kind of fun, actually. Um, my dog had just died. You knew Sasha. Sasha the best dog. I was so devastated. Yeah. Anyways, anyone who has a pet knows it's devastating. Um, Sasha was like your ride or die. She was just she always, was always with you everywhere. And if I didn't bring her, she's sleeping on my family's bed at their house. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah. So Mark hit me up. He's like, Hey, there's a snowboard. There's a photo contest in Vail. And he's like, I, I want you to be in on it with me. And we had to do like park or I don't know, like backcountry stuff, which there really wasn't a ton. I think we hit the rainbow swing set. elementary schools um and then he said and yeah and then there's like this lifestyle part and so i didn't want to wear like a fur coat or something so i was like what if we had a horse and he's like yeah and and he was like okay and he went into his photographer like meeting because they you know they say what do you need to do there's like a bunch of different photographers invited and he's like i need a white horse a wig and I don't know what else he asked for. (laughs) And so I helped him get the white horse. My friend Gary owns a ranch. And I said, can you bring one of your horses? He's like, yeah, I might have to drug it to walk around downtown Vale. And I was like, that's okay, because I don't want to get balked off, because I think I'm wearing something small. Um, So uh, Lady Godiva was the theme. It was downtown Vale, obviously in the village there. I was a little nervous to see somebody I knew, like Pato or somebody who worked. He worked right there. <laughs> and uh, he's like, okay, so I need you to wear this wig. And I put some pasties on. And I did have underwear on, just see-through. Um, and then I sat sideways on this white horse. Oh, no, the first one they brought in was a little too drugged. That's right. And so then the second white horse came in, and he was a little spunkier. And, uh, yeah, I sat on the horse and, you know, Mark wins the photo contest and then he offered to buy me a new puppy. And I said, you're so sweet. I don't want a new dog, but I want your pinhole camera, which he gave me. Nice. <laughs> it was a phenomenal yeah, story. Yeah, that's incredible. We'll have to see if we can get a copy of this photo from him. <laughs> I'm it, sure he's got pop one. Pop it on the screen. 
<laughs> so uh, I also heard a rumor that back in the day in Colorado, you and Eastone were either neighbors or roommates. Is that true? I think we were probably both yeah, at some both, point. I would say. How, how was it? How was that experience with it Buzz? Was, you know what? It was fun because he's exactly how he is right now. <laughs> <clears throat> Just happy and laughing and always wanting to be a part of the party, but also, yeah, into snowboarding, um, music. I remember Ollie Goulet always have some records spinning. Yep. <laughs> um, and just your joy to be around. Yeah. He was a roommate, so we had a lot of fun adventures. Good times. And Megan was always pushing everyone to be active and do fun things. And <laughs> Get out of bed, you yeah. fuckers. <laughs> Get everybody moving, which was awesome. <laughs> yeah, good times back then. Good motivation. Yeah. yeah. Talking about good. Sasha, too. I remember one time, this wasn't in Vail, but... Didn't your car get stolen and the dog was in the car? Yeah. That and was they gave fuck. it back. It was a messed yeah, up story. Okay. Where did that happen in Boulder? I think it was in Salt. It was in Boulder, huh? Boulder. Yeah. And they kicked. I just came out of somewhere. I don't even remember, but it had a bunch of stuff in it. My mom just sent me like a box of, you know, mom stuff. And uh, Sasha was in there and I came out and she's like walking down the street, kind of looking confused. <laughs> and my car was gone. And, uh, that was weird. Have yeah, my house keys in there. Oh, for some reason, I thought she was in the car. She and they was. they took her, but they put her out. Huh? Well, they, I think they did. They kicked yeah, her out. They kicked her out. That's good. Um, yeah, but she, she... Whatever. What a great dog she that felt was. so bad. But I did end up getting the vehicle back. It was an, it, you know ended up being parked somewhere, and the weirdo left me a poem in the car. Oh, know. really? Yeah, I left That's a crazy. weird poem in the car. Took all my deodorant. What a great dog. <laughs> Let's give an air horn to Sasha. Yeah, she deserves it. She was, she's one of those dogs that would run. You'd snowboard, and she'd run alongside in the powder and jump around and just Snowmobile. love life. Yeah. <laughs> Snowmobile with you. Good dog. Love the adventure dog. Now, earlier you mentioned, um, you know, being in that time where women were looking up to you and you were signing autographs for girls and things like that. And we, we talk about this a lot on the show, and so I might be sound like I'm, I'm – beating a dead horse to a degree, but I think that it's really special when, you know, you guys were providing someone to look up to for those little girls you're signing autographs for or, or dudes or whoever. But I think it's always cool to that kind of light bulb for, for the young women growing up to be like, Oh, she's a ripping snowboarder. I want to be like her. And you guys, you didn't have that as a kid. You didn't have that person that was to do, you know, to look up. So I don't know if you have anything, any direction to go with that. Well, I mean, um, for I, I think there was a time where you just didn't, we weren't just like, oh, yeah, we're the girls and you're the guys. I think you're just kind of in a crew of snowboarders. So I looked up to a lot of dudes, of course, and of course you're going to notice other women out there. And there was definitely a lot of women to look up to, like I mentioned earlier, from Victoria Jalous and Barrett and... Cersei and you know you start to Teradikitas came on the scene and um there was just a lot of um yeah and I think even back in the day Leanne Pelosi was making her snowboard girl films and um I had a you know I lived in Utah for a bit and met a great crew and you know, Jessica Dalpiaz was so fun to snowboard with and she ripped yes yes and just a lot of different style and a lot of you know, but there was some point where you just, you didn't want to be segregated, even though now it's like a big point, men and women, and there's a difference in our body types and 
whatnot. But then it was very, um, he kind of just wanted to be one of the snowboard crew. And I think in a lot of ways it helped us. A lot of us, I got way better. My snowmobiling, my backcountry skills, all of that was done with men, <clears throat> as well as, of course, um, Victoria Jalouse was somebody who I got to spend a lot of time with and I learned a lot from. But, um, you know, you had a lot to learn from other people. So I was just part of the crew, I think. I don't know if I'm kind of um, on a tangent here. No, no, I think it's really interesting. I, no, it's I, a I like thing it. to talk about. I like it. All right, we're going to do a Patreon question. And first, we want to say thank you to all the Patreon for your support. We appreciate it. This is from Isabella Snow Monkey, which is a great name. And she asks, what is your favorite day two story? <laughs> there are definitely a lot of those. Uh, and, yeah, for all of you guys who know, too, he just made everyone laugh. Brought a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to say the one with him. Okay, yeah, so this is when he... Um, I don't know if he got, like, denied or shut down or if he was just trying to convince Burton to bring him on to the team. I think Jay one was a Burton rider at the time, Jay Girardi. Um, so he decided to shave his pubic hair and send it in an envelope, like a little white letter envelope, licked it. <laughs> I think Jay one helped him shave. <laughs> Probably helped him write the letter as well, <laughs> or the put the stamp. And <laughs> uh, no, there wasn't a letter. It was just a, oh, FedEx, just a envelope. FedEx envelope. Oh, it was with Burton's FedEx number too. <laughs> um, and he put it in the envelope and sent it to Barry, who I think was the team manager then. I think it was Barry. And uh, then, yeah, then Barry opens up this envelope of twos his pubic hair. <laughs> And then what they ended up doing was putting the letter B onto a T-shirt out of those pubes, and they made a shirt with it. Just imagine them in there in the art department forming his <laughs> J2's pubes into a B. I'm sure they all had This is so going to be great. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. the stuff legends are made of. Yeah, true legends. <laughs> yep. And Twos has endless good stories. Got to love yeah. that. All right, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about 686. I heard they got some new gear, buds. They do. They actually just launched a small pants. Small pants? Is that pants for little people? Uh, a no, pants it's collection? A, it's just a small pant collection. So, and, pantalones? And shorts. Yes, pantalones. Yeah. And uh, it's active wear. It's going to be good for climbing, mountain biking, trail running, but also traveling as well. It's very comfortable. And, uh, so they're getting in the streetwear game. They're getting in the streetwear game, okay. and it's got DWR, too, which is uh, a... It's a three-letter word is what that is. It's a three-letter word, and I think it stands for waterproofing of some some sort of uh, scenario. But what else know. about 686? What do they got it's going on? founded by a snowboarder, Mike West, which is a pretty cool thing. Not every brand can claim that. And they also sponsored me back in the day, so that means they're cool people. Really? Actually, it makes me question their... Uh, but anyway, keep Qu going. Question everything about well, yeah, them. Yeah, huh? yeah. What? So, what else do they got going on? They uh, are great. What they do for the uh, environment, they do good things. Um, support these guys. Six eight six is awesome. Yo, what's up, bomb hole? It's Juliet here, and this is Arrow, and we're here to talk some serious fit. When I'm shredding, I like to wear the Fern Gore-Tex pullover, and so does Arrow. 
This is a sick quarter zip jacket. It is insulated and it has a really sick design. I like it because it keeps me dry when it's really wet out because it's Gore-Tex and it has a dope middle pocket for snacks and some dog treats. Hey buddy, I love this jacket. I like to shred the AT Gore-Tex pant because they keep me dry. They have a loose fit. Arrow might like to wear it as a scarf, but the pant version is way doper. I like the black because it evens out my snowboard fit when I'm shredding. The best thing about it is the zip tech that attaches to any Volcom jacket and it's super dope. So run to the, your local Volcom store to get some of these. All right, let's get back into it here. Now, I have a note um, about a little article in High Times you actually sent over. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> you know, I don't remember how that came about. Probably one of the Blunt magazines. That was probably all the weed. Yeah. Has us forgetting. I was involved with that too, which you is were. awesome. <laughs> and that's the thing is funny because I wasn't really a big weed smoker when I snowboarded. Although I always took my gloves off on the chairlift and I always. You took uh, your gloves off while everyone everyone else respect. had their gloves off? <laughs> yeah, just to get cold hands and to really be a part of it. And no, I, I did smoke a bit of weed back in the day, but not that much. But either way, I think this came across and yeah, they wanted to feature. J2 and I were in some sort of. Uh, magazine not blunt but something out there right? high times magazine well it was those those that article that they did then introduced us to the high times guys and he uh, came to our house i feel like the great brodini chris owen yes lived there with us was around at that time and they came out and did an interview and you guys had all these quips and quotes about like flying high in the high country <laughs> and yeah, they really, it was it was like a six or eight page I article. I still have it actually at my house. I'll have to dig that up. Bunch of Bill Thomas photos of all of us and um I think we went up to Vail Pass. They yeah. got us really stoned and just took pictures. Oh yeah, of they had all different kinds. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That was when, that was before there were all different kinds. It was like dirt weed or you know, yeah. swag or the good shit, you know, and, and they had like several different flavors of weed and you guys were so thrilled and you're like, yeah, we'll take that one. And it was a, it was a big deal to us back in the day. Yeah, it was, that was a, a huge deal. That's a huge deal. Yeah, High Times was, Magazine. It was massive for that little community there. And that was before, remember, to, yeah, anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. That was really fun and it was pretty exciting. To I'm going to start putting that on my resume. <laughs> yeah. For, I would put like the first fe featured point. in High Times Magazine. <laughs> Stony Buds featured in High Times. <laughs> yeah, definitely gonna put add that to the resi. That's actually yeah. where the nickname Stony Buds originated. Was the High Times shoot? The High Times shoot. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, dig that those photos up and and see what's up with that. Yeah, you should. They're pretty good. And just the quotes. I know you. Yeah, had, I remember there was you, quotes. I remember you had like a quote under J 2s flying with his shirt flapping open. Yeah, and there was like, flying high in Colorado. Yeah. Stony Buds. Yeah. <laughs> That was fun. Good times. Good stuff. Well, I want to kind of get into some of the hard hitting, harder hitting, uh, tougher topics. But, um, you know, you're a cancer survivor, and I'd like to lean into that journey and and that experience for you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Talk us through it. Right okay. from high times to cancer, huh? <laughs> yeah, we're doing. Hey, it all goes hand yeah, in hand. It actually yes, does. Huh? It does. Yeah. Um. Well, shit, I don't even know where to start with something like that, but just how incredibly grateful I am to be here and what an incredible experience. It was such a turn in life for me in a really good way. And and I feel like there has to be with something like cancer kind of like a a naive sort of optimism 
right? Because everyone's like, oh my God, you're so positive. And it's just like, well, that's the only way I want to fucking think. You know what I mean? Like, it's really easy, I think, to go down the wrong way. You know, so many scary stories, but I chose differently. I, I don't really know how to, where to start, except, I, I, where do you want me to start? Uh, how did you find the out? The diagnosis. Yeah. Would be. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, um, you know, I'd found a lump in my breast when I, in my 20s, and it was uh, when I was pretty young, like 24 and it, it was after I'd hit a tree. I'd had kind of a near-death experience. I hit a tree. I was, you know, pretty much resuscitated. I lost my spleen and um, lots of just trauma to my body. And then a few years later, found this lump in my breast. And, you know, you're in your, you know, early 20s. So you're like, and then before BC came around a few years later. And it's just something we kept an eye on. And then um, I never really... You just don't think about it. It's just there. But obviously with boarding for breast cancer, you're doing more self-breast checks and you're like, okay, the lump is still there. And then when I was, you know, got pregnant, I was in my early 30s and with Lily, and that was just, um, you know, it got bigger with my pregnancy, but the doctors were like, oh, it's so normal. And then pregnant with my second child and that's when I was like okay something's definitely wrong and throughout my pregnancy we were monitoring my breast and the really great thing is is that I they didn't find the cancer I did have cancer when I was pregnant with Reef but the great thing is is that I didn't have to deal with chemo when I was pregnant with him but pretty shortly after I had him is when okay something's wrong and um, I was in Canada and they were very relaxed about it but I felt this crazy sense of urgency and um, you're you know, you're in social medicine there. So I'm on a waiting list to get, <clears throat> you know, biopsied and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, God, let's hurry this shit up. And, and so everyone's really relaxed about it, helped me relax. And then I get in for the first, you know, scan and biopsy. It's like an ultrasound. And the ultrasound guy was just like googly eyed. And he's like, something's really wrong. I'm like, really? And I'm still nursing at the time, Reef's a baby. And I was like, really? I sure it's not just my breasts? And and he's like, no, there's something wrong. And I'm like, okay, so this is what I've been feeling uh, for years, actually, to be honest. And, yeah, I just it, there's a lot of tests that have to happen, so it wasn't instantaneous for me. Um, lots of scans, and it was like about a week's time until they were going to give me like a solid confirmation. And during that time, I'm just praying and thinking good thoughts and but at the same time, I was like, okay, finally, I have an answer to why I've been feeling so off and what's been going on with me. And, um, yeah, and then it came. I feel like it was just around Halloween or something. And I remember I got the phone call, and David and I were there, and I went upstairs in the bedroom, and all I heard was, you know, cancer and stage three and advanced. And I just heard some of these big terms, and so... <clears throat> I told David, poor David was sobbing and was a mess. And I was like, okay, we got to kind of pull this together. But there was just a, yeah, there's a moment of shock of like, okay, what's next? Because it's so unknown. I think that was the initial feeling. But I pretty much right away, I was like, what am I eating? What am I drinking? How can I help myself while this cancer is inside of me? And I had three, several, three large tumors in my breast, but my, my, boobs were big from nursing so it's kind of hard to find them it's interesting you talk about the sense of urgency you felt because 
I've learned lately just to trust that and demand, like, <clears throat> go to <throat> see someone and demand more, maybe, and if you're feeling that feeling, you know? Well, that's the kind of thing is I had to go to a couple of different doctors, and you yeah. hear those stories all the time, and that was one of the main premises of B4BC is the young woman who we founded this organization on, or they founded this organization on, was, you know, somebody who was ignored by her doctors. You're too young. Yeah, to, you can't have breast cancer. It's impossible. You're too young, you know? And I don't think I got, uh, it's impossible. You're too young. You know, I was in my 30s or whatever, but they still were like, oh, no, I think it's going to be okay. And I had two doctors that actually, one who sent me an email and another one who sent me an email and apologized to me for not listening. She goes, I know you're through your cancer now. I've followed your journey and I don't know what you're going to do with this email, but I didn't listen to you. And I pride myself on listening to my patients, but you listened to you and you went to another doctor and found somebody to listen to you. And I think that's kind of what we have to do with our health, regardless of it is if we do have that intuitive feeling, you know, especially as women, no offense, we're so connected with our intuition really important to practice that you know, listen, listen to it when you're feeling for everybody it. Yeah. yeah now i'm curious you're you're in this battle you know you you're starting chemo it's wiping you out uh what are some of the specific things you did to to kind of help you power through that well i before chemo i mean i started with several i had a team of people in place i knew it was going to take a lot um way beyond me i don't know what's good for me have to drop into cancer university right away. But I started with a shaman who did some really great energy work with my mom and David and myself. Uh, I found an integrative oncologist who worked with my other oncologist, even though my chemo guy was like, I know everything, which is fine with me. If you knew everything about chemo, I don't give a shit about anything else. Cause that's your job. But my naturopathic oncologist really helped me prepare, like, physically and mentally. And he was the first doctor who pretty much was like, okay, this doesn't look good. This doesn't look good. This does not look good. He goes, but we're going to get through this shit. And he was very, very um, point blank about that. And that just helped. It was just a game changer, right? Like, sometimes you just need a perspective to switch your, change your mind. And that's really, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's how I feel, but I haven't heard anyone say that yet. So he, I think changing my mind helped prepare me. Um, and then, yeah, vitamin IVs, I did those weekly for, gosh, over a year. Every week I got high-dose vitamin IVs, vitamin C IVs, like over 50,000 units every time. And that was weekly. And then I also did um, stuff during chemo, um, it's called hyperthermia, and they heat up the area of your breast where you have tumors or cancer or had them because I had had surgery at that point. And they 400 times, that treatment 400 times your chemo in the area that you need it, whereas I don't need it, my kneecaps, you know, um, I don't need it anywhere else in my body but where I had these tumors and these lymph nodes. So um, I feel like that was kind of a secret weapon, even though it's like hard to find in Europe. They have it in every single hospital in Germany. They have these devices, but it's hard to find in North America. So I had a few things that I feel like were really helping me. And then just being outdoors, being outside, even I couldn't have energy, but I'm going to go sit by the river. I'm going to be in the mountains. I'm going to get on my paddleboard and just lay there 
<laughs> watch the world go by. Yeah, don't <laughs> like hole up in your in your house and don't go outside. I mean, some people might just sleep. <clears throat> I mean, you do. I slept a lot. Um, a lot of meditation, just new practices and new way. You know, you're. I'm kind of rewiring myself with all these drugs. Might as well rewire your brain too. Learning is such a crazy space to to be in, right? It, it, it sometimes it takes everything you have to not go down the rabbit hole of fear. But yeah, staying off social media was a huge thing for me. Uh, not returning all the messages I felt kind of bad but I just kind of had to put the phone away put the computer away and just focus on me because at some point that I'm the only one who rows the boat you know truth man there's there's so much interesting uh things there I think about a lot of the the like American Medical Association approach to um to you know Chemo and, and cancer and things like that. It's just, it's just simply maybe the chemo is what you focus on. And uh, and they're, they've, they do incredible things. I it, I'm not to try to discredit any doctors that can take anybody and put them, put them together after they've been broken. They're doing, they're doing God's work. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But, but I, I like that you um, also are like, well, I'm going to get a shaman. I'm going to do some holistic stuff. I'm going to do some meditation and my question for you is what percentage of it is like is spiritual and and mental in that battle? Well, I mean, your mental is everything cuz you are what you think. <laughs> you know, I learned that you know, young fortunately, um but this was the true test. Right? So you are what you think, so you create your own reality. And this is where I was very like, um, yeah. And then spiritually is your, it's a practice, right? We're practicing being humans and we're all going to cry and be a mess and have a moment, but then I'm going to get right back on, on it. And I would say, <clears throat> I think your mental game is everything. You're, 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 if people can change their lives and manifest all of this stuff and money and health and wealth with their brains, like, that's what we can do. So my mental game had to be with being in the moment and then your spirituality is a practice, right? And everybody is so different. <clears throat> a lot of people want to focus on what they want to focus on and um, sometimes that is, yeah, who's the best doctor? And, you know, I just prayed for the best doctor. Yeah, I had to do a lot of phone calls and I had to bug people and, and there was a lot of stuff that happened that I didn't like that I was uncomfortable with, but I couldn't sit in the discomfort too long. I really tried to train my mind to be where I wanted to be and to be who I wanted to be and to envision myself as healthy as opposed to being in the 87% of people that get more tumors and die from this. 87. Yeah. Was the number at stage three yeah. advanced. Wow. Um, so and that's with, you know, getting it within five years again, yeah. like the reoccurrence rate was super high. Yeah. I just didn't even think about reoccurrence. I'm like, okay, surgery, got good margins. Hey, let's move on. Yeah, be positive. <clears throat> I know, and it's hard because some people think it's like fake to be so positive about something, but I, um, that's just who I was and who I am. And I've always, like I said, there's like a naive thing to to like leap off a cliff sometimes. you You can't plan the fucking landing and you can... You know, and I've really, it's funny too, because I've compared it and I told this story when I did get diagnosed. I told this, some of the very first few people I told were like, 
Travis Rice and his girlfriend were <clears throat> good friends of mine and um, at the time, his girlfriend at the time and Evan. And uh, I was happened to be working up at the natural selection and I was doing massage. He brought me up to the lodge and so I could make a few turns and be a part of this historic movement movement. And I was doing massage at the time. So I, the coolest thing is like, I knew that I had cancer. Nobody else knew. David knew David was up there. Um, and or was David there? Yeah. And, uh, I, it was so cool to kind of have this really empowering weird secret. Um, but at the same time I got to massage all the athletes and these are all people I look up to and that I love and, and, you know, Sal being there and I mean, everybody, you're just like, oh my God, these are all my heroes and all my brothers in this sport, you know? And so that was super empowering. It kind of gave me this sense of power of like, this is where I come from. Look at all these badasses. Um, and I was to start chemo really soon, like a week later. And I, I did, oh, frick, I don't know, like 38 massages that week. So I was just like banging them out and I was just like this is so awesome just taking everyone's not taking everyone's energy but living with it and so then at the end of the week I told Travis and I remember I told him a story how I explained to Trav I was like okay <clears throat> I don't know why I did it this way it wasn't a plan I just was like I wanted to tell him so it wasn't like a shock you know, of like, why didn't she say anything, you know, but I, I didn't need to announce it to everyone. It was just Travis because it was his event and everything was over and done and said with. And I was like, so I went on this trip once and I was with Craig Kelly. And this is a true story. I was with Craig and uh, Jeremy Jones, totally claim, claiming name dropping. <laughs> heavy, heavy names. You're going to drop names. Drop <laughs> the names, names right? to drop. <laughs> and uh, we were like kind of mapping this heli area in like, BC, Yukon, <clears throat> every, up there. And uh, it has been a week of stellar conditions and just crazy, crazy experience. And I'm just kind of following these guys around or, you know, picking lines and doing stuff. And it was towards the end of the week. And he's like, I was going to be like the last one down. I was always feeling good because I had these dudes, right? Like, I'm going to go down if I cartwheel or if I get stuck in an avi or do something wrong. These guys are right here with me. And it was like a super high consequence line. And and Craig's like, you're ready. You're going to do this now. And I was like, what? He's all relaxed. He's like, you got this, Megs. I'll see you at the bottom. And I was like, okay. And like he left. And I just remember my teeth chattering and like shaking and like having to move my body to kind of get the energy and just to find the calm. And, and that was like the story that I told Travis of like, this is where I'm at right now is I have to move and, you know, move my body. And I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm stoked, and I know that I can do this. And so thanks for giving me that extra, like, power. This week, like, really kicked me into chemo. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh. He starts crying. <laughs> but it was a really awesome moment because I was able to really describe where I was at. And I think sometimes you have to put words <clears throat> to how you feel in order to step into stuff. So that's kind of where I was at as I just stepped into it. And I totally, as I totally owned it. It was sucked. It was pretty harsh, huh? <laughs> it was terrible. It was so terrible, but you know, I was like, I can do this. It's so great. And whatever. I'm, I'm so healthy and grounded. And, and then I go in and just get my ass kicked. I was like, whatever. It's what it is. 
you got to go through it. I think it's really special what you just said there. Uh, you know, like, in, you know, obviously those, those really wise words, were those from Craig? Yeah. From, yeah, those were from Craig. And, and then um, likening, like, you got this, Megs. You know, you can do this drop in. And if you're dropping into a gnarly line, if you can drop into a line where you are scared, shitless, and terrified, well, that's a good life lesson. To uh, I love, like, applying that, like, just to kind of rephrase what you just said. Take that life lesson you learned from snowboarding and apply it from the discomfort of cancer. Part of me, sometimes I'm kind of tripping. I, mean, I haven't really talked about this that much, but, like, what if I was only a snowboarder? to go through cancer. I know that sounds so wow. ridiculous, but sometimes I felt so much power, you know, cause you, like you, you go through all this like stuff in your mind of like, how did I get here? What the fuck? What have I done wrong? Okay. I didn't do anything wrong. What have I done? Right. You know, and I did snowboarding, right. I may not have been like the most epic, you know, game changing rider, but I had a lot of cool experiences and I was with in a really great era of freedom and expression and you know not a lot of drama I didn't I don't know there probably was but somewhere but I was able to come from this snowboarding experience and really summit into being in the mountains and doing something that I loved and that I had practiced and that I was good at so yeah I was able to yeah snowboarding was a good practice like prepared you for what you're gonna have to face later yeah in some ways. I and mean, help I, you get through it, I guess. Huh? Yeah, it's just a side thought. But it's, incredible. it's interesting to look at life experiences that way. 100%. I watched the thing with you later, uh, a little biography piece, and you mentioned that you use the mountains as your medicine. I thought that was a really good... Oh, yeah. Who doesn't, right? Like, isn't that what we all do, what we do outside is because nature is... It's medicine, and to some people it's indescribable, and other people can put words or poetry to it or, you know, have these epic video parts, and we all we all are heal healing, right? Otherwise, we'd be dead. We'd be angels floating around all good up there. But we're here working on shit, and we're human beings, and we all got stuff. We all got stories, and we all got trauma, and we all got problems, and nature is the medicine to we're going to be in the moment. And that's where we're supposed to be, I think, to create what we want to create. So we're just going to keep practicing outside. Ali was talking, Goulet was talking about grounding on his episode. Nice. And uh, I've been doing that recently, making sure to be barefoot on the ground. And it's supposed to, like, energize you and make you feel better. That's exactly right. People in California got it easy. Just go and walk <laughs> on the beach, right? Yeah. We don't have that here in Salt Lake. You can get grounded anywhere. <laughs> yeah, anywhere, huh? But I yeah. think there's uh, some truth to that. you got to be connected to nature. and It helps. You do. It's addictive. Also, framing it up as literal medicine is such a good way because I'll be like, oh, i got to go snowboard. It's good up there. And I'm not like thinking, I need to go snowboarding for my mental health, even though I do. You do. And my spiritual health. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, i got to go get my medicine yeah. I get, so I feel right. It's going to make you feel great after mm -hmm. that day. Yeah, and we'll think about it. Like being in the moment is everything. When you got your list of stuff to do, and I mean, we all got it. We're we're we got jobs, we got lives, we got families. But when you're in the moment, it's it's where the magic happens. Yeah, that list and is that's, gone. Huh? That's what we love. That's what we. That's why we do what we do. And so I don't know. It's medicine to be in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. Do what you love. Hundred percent. There's no anxiety because that comes from 
thinking in the future mm-hmm. and there's no like grief or you know stress that comes from thinking about stuff in the past because you're just doing it it's great well we i'm going to ask you a question because earlier we were discussing how your girlfriend's like diving into some really cool um work you know modalities with breath work and yoga and whatnot and so you've done some breath work recently that's not just you know hiking up a hill and panting it's like some actual intentional intentional breathing how how was that for you Wow. Uh, all right, we're gonna get a little we're gonna get a little vulnerable here on the bomb hole because this is something that it's an interesting one because the the spiritual space I don't like to push on anybody or jam down anybody's throat. I keep it relatively private because I think you meet people with where they're at. Some people aren't ready to hear about mm-hmm. you know yoga or sound baths, uh, whatever it is. And so for my spiritual journey, I'll back it up a little bit. Like I've done a lot of things. Like with I've worked with a therapist and done ketamine therapy where they in, they inject you. I've done, uh, you know, tons of sound baths. I've worked with a regular therapist. Um, I'm just trying to think of all the other spiritual things I've done. Like, you know, AA. I've done a lot of a lot of things on my journey to like, you know, this crazy rat trap between my ears is trying to sabotage my life. I'm always trying to keep my brain from from sabotaging myself, right? Because and and uh, of all the stuff I've done, of everything I've done, all these little looking under every single rock of trying to, you know, self improve myself uh breath work has been the most powerful thing i've ever done and i was simply laying in a room for an hour while my girlfriend had me do a sequence of breaths and guided me through something and i was uh crying so hard that i basically was throwing up and uh and that is and i was releasing trauma that from when i was a really suppressed trauma from when i was a child that i didn't even really know was there and so um yeah, going back to this deep journey of healing that we somehow are on that you've uh, cracked open that I kind of keep private. Uh, but uh, is it's really cool to hear. Like, I get really excited because I wanted to know. You're like, I was working with a shaman when I was when I first got diagnosed, and I wanted to know what that um, what that shaman was experience was all about. Well, I would have to say I currently work with a couple of one in particular a shaman currently, which has been. Uh, just really unparalleled almost with all the work I've done. But I, I mean, the whole nature is medicine thing, right? And I was already kind of working with the shaman, kind of talking, and this was before I was diagnosed with cancer, but this was as an athlete, as a mother, I was a new mom, and it was there was a lot of letting go of my career. Um, you know, as a parent, you can't, you can't have two, I don't know, in my position, I wasn't the mom who was going to have a husband do the same thing. So I was shedding my career, as if you will, uh, being a new parent and working on stuff with this shaman. And a lot of it has to do with trauma and past trauma and the disconnect we create for ourselves and the distractions that we create for ourselves. And so just more of a conversation. I wasn't partaking in plant medicine at the time. Um, I currently am in this space in my life. Um, not all the time, but when it calls to me, but that's, that's my personal work right now with the earth is working with plant medicine and a shaman. And I think it, everybody has gurus and shamans and whatnot. And whether you seek it out or not, somebody, you know, there's always going to be a self inquiry part of your life and it doesn't matter your age or the stage you're in. Right. And so I've had several different stages of my life where a shaman and somebody who indigenous person um, who works with the earth and is that what a shaman is? Yeah, and usually it's indigenous 
tribes all have a shaman, a medicine person, and I've met so many different kinds and it's, it's so intriguing to me. And it, to me, it's really opened up my mind about what medicine is um, because currently so many shamans are practicing. Um, I've met a shaman from an indigenous tribe, a very small tribe in Costa Rica, and they've never heard of cancer, never heard of diabetes. Never heard of these things. I mean, he's heard of they them. They don't because, exist, though. But not to these world. people. Yeah. They don't ever see these kinds of diseases that That's are incredible. happening. And, I mean, you know, you ask him, how long have you been on the mountain? And he's like, since before the stars. And you're like, That's a long fucking time. <laughs> you know? And, I mean, it's, to me, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful way to interact with um, life and with our thought processes and our healing and our time here. Um, I can't like live a hundred percent in that space. I probably should, but he's just really opened my mind to what medicine really is. And they don't have, you know, their medicine isn't psychoactive like ayahuasca, um, or even psilocybin. Um, but you know, their medicine is a plant and it's a root and every pregnant mother receives it. Every baby, the first thing that is put in this baby's mouth is this medicine and the stuff that he does is all sound. It's all done with sound and vibration. It's not really like stuff that they give someone. Obviously, a snake bite's going to get poultice or something. But the way that he's healing people is with song and sound and vibration. Sounds incredible. Um, so, yeah, anyways, there's just all sorts of ideas and healing and stuff out there. And like you, unturning those stones, It's um, I'm thankful that I was doing a lot of that before cancer. Because I had a lot to look to, not to mention the work I do with B4BC and all these incredible people and inspiration and good stories, right? Um, you don't hear a lot of good stories. And it sucks because that's always kind of here, you know, and it's hard to. That's why I was, I didn't want to be influenced while I had my, my time with cancer. I had to just be in that space and just kind of sit with it and look at it. Well, it's also in, in, in today's society, it's easy to flick the TV on and open up that screen and distract yourself away through your life where you never you even never huh? even uh, take a look at any of the underlying unhappiness. And I, I think there's also something cool to be said, too. It's like, you know, you never get there. You never like are like, oh, I, I achieved enlightenment. You're like, oh, I feel a little bit better today because I, I meditated or I went to a sound bath. Right. It's just practice ongoing, ongoing. Right. And I really do believe that. And, you know, cancer was just one. There's always going to be something that comes up. I'm assuming my life's had some pretty crazy things. <laughs> I'm here for a reason. I sometimes I don't know exactly what that is, except I'm a parent. And that's a huge blessing. Um, and it's a huge undertaking. You know, it's like the best thing maybe it's ever happened to me. Yeah, I talked a little bit with DCP, your husband. Um, about the time when you were going through chemo and he said it was just a really hard time and he was there for you and oh, yeah. so hard just to, to see you go through that. So it sounded like it was a very trying time. So it's awesome to see you here now and doing so good. It's all, how long have you been without Thanks. the cancer now? Oh yeah. I've been in remission for nine years Oof. and 10 years will be next year. And a super and air yeah, that's a big deal right there. <laughs> That's a celebration. That's it's a celebratory. Really yeah, that's, yeah, I don't know. I'm, it's funny when they say, like, you're five years in remission, and then you're, like, 
cleared of certain things. And for me, the type of cancer and stage and whatever, it's like when you're 10 years, you're officially cured. But I don't know. I, I honestly, it's such a, it's great to look back on that as like, okay, five years, six years, seven years. But um, for me, it's just that part of my life and it gets a little bit further away. Although working, you know, around women, it triggers some things, but I think it's important because I remember where I came from. And uh, so I can do better work for others. I love that. Let's dive into uh, B4BC, Boarding for Breast Cancer. I know you're a huge part of that. I want to know a lot of things. Uh, mainly, what do you facilitate there now? And how did you become a part of it originally? Um, well, how I started with it as an athlete ambassador with um, B4BC, obviously Shannon and Tina and Lisa Hudson at the time. I feel like she, she might have been my like airwalk team manager or something (laughs) way back in the day but then you know I think 98 was when it came around but I just wanted to be a part of something Um, I was super into yoga and you know being healthy and meditation and and breath work even at the time which were like so profound and life-changing as an athlete for me and and so I'm like what a better way to share that healthy active lifestyle is kind of your best means to um, breast cancer prevention, which was has always been their message. And it was through these music events and got to hang with the Beastie Boys and Foo Fighters. And there was all sorts of really great activations that they had. And it was an easy way for me to be a part of something and share, having a message for young people besides, hey, check my method, you know. <laughs> so um, that's kind of how I got started as an athlete ambassador. We did a lot of breast molds back in the day. So um we would, you know, mold our breasts, have an artist paint on it, and then auction it off at events, and just being there at the X Games booth, and, you know, whatever, sharing that message on a platform, and now, so that's kind of evolved, and then I started doing these retreats with Barrett, um, in, like, early 2000, we did, like, these women's yoga snowboard weekends, I guess you would, and then we'd do a fundraiser for B4BC to raise money for a, a local gal to join us, she had cancer at the time, was a young gal, and then at some point, um, B4BC was like, hey, we should partner. And I said, yeah, I need to fundraise more money to make these snowboarding yoga events for more accessible for more women with breast cancer. So Barrett went and, you know, had Canon, had her first kid. I um, wasn't pregnant yet. So I'm like, okay, let's, I really wanted to pursue what it was going to be like to um, more modalities being introduced into these wellness weekends yeah we're snowboarding that's our medicine we're outside we're in the fresh air and then like what is does gluten-free food really taste good you know cooking classes yoga therapy um, meditation and then um, working with the north face which was a longtime sponsor of mine at the time um, and bringing funds in to support making these you know retreats all for breast cancer women with breast cancer young women with breast cancer so um yeah, it just kind of escalated from there. And then had Lee. And so I'd been doing these retreats for, you know, uh, gosh, five, four years um, before I got cancer, something like that. So I'd already done these retreats. It was kind of like this Alanis Morissette song. I like to compare it to that because it's like, are you fucking kidding me? You know, I never pretended. I never imagined myself as this young woman with breast cancer dealing with it but you know so doing these retreats and then um 
yeah, that's kind of how I got started in B4BC, how things kind of evolved. It wasn't like a, a paying job. It was just more of a passion. Like, how do I raise more money? How do I make these happen? How do I make them more accessible? And then, um, you know, during cancer, doing something for B4BC, like for me, I wanted to, you know, share if these cold caps were going to work. I saved my hair during chemo, not my eyebrows or anything, but you can wear these frozen things on your head. And I wanted to do a little video on like if they're going to work or not. I didn't know if it was going to work. Everyone told me it wouldn't. But I was like, yeah, let's just try this. So that was kind of my give to B4BC and ended up doing a small documentary. So things just kind of, you know, I got to a point where I was like, do I really want to work with people with cancer now that I've been through it? And I kind of feel a little worked over. I think I need to take a break from cancer. And and I don't know, I just woke up and was like, why would I do that? I have so much to share, but more so I still have more work to do for myself that's serving others. And I love the community. I work with so many inspiring people. I love the team I work with. So right now I'm currently um, a wellness director. So I oversee all of our young survivor retreats. And, um, yeah, we're actively fundraising for those and making sure we can get young women that have cancer or going through treatment or just finishing treatment out surfing, snowboarding, like in the ocean, in the mountains, Um and yeah, we work, as you guys know, in this great industry of a lot of people who want to help and support. And so we have tons of brand partners that we work with um, that help support all of that work and getting these women out there and finding themselves again in nature. Did the cold cap end up working, huh? It did. Well, I'm kind of. My hair thinned. I looked a little scraggly. But it helped. But yeah, I mean, I went into my, after my final chemo, um, which was, you know, many months, <laughs> And my on, my regular oncologist, he's like, is that your real hair? Because I didn't have eyebrows or eyelashes. I just had this thing on my head. And he's like, is that your real hair? I said, yeah. See? <laughs> he's like, whoa, I didn't think that would work. Wow, that's cool. So, yeah, it worked. And you do have so much to give. Why would you back down? I know. It, it's you know? it's easy, though. It's scary. Yeah. It's scary, right? You guys yeah. know. You're like, I don't want to look at that shit anymore. True, that's right? horrible. It's too negative, um, but, but you're helping I'm people. Like, yeah, but wait a minute. It was beautiful. And how do I, um, how can I support people? And I'm always open for that. There's so much we can do here for others. What does that look like? That's great. Amazing. And uh, going back to boarding for breast cancer and raising money, uh, we are going to try to raise as much money as we can with you guys. Yes. So if you go to bombhole.com, we will have a link on our website where you can donate to boarding for breast cancer. And uh, I know that they're going to be sending out. We got some some swag we're going to be kind of giving away um, randomly to people that donate. And then also... Uh, you know, the, you guys gave us tons of stuff, so maybe if you, if you, uh, yeah, anybody, we'll just kind of go through, and if you donate, we'll, we'll throw out some packages with bombhole stuff in there as well. I think October is Bre Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah, breast cancer prevention. Prevention. I, I think some people prevention, some people awareness. Awareness is good. Prevention's good. So it's a great time to raise some money. It's great, and it's also I mean, just it's always a great time. A lot of eyes and ears on so many great causes out there. Obviously, we're not the only ones doing that, but just a lot of eyes and ears and also highlighting the survivorship stories. There's so many incredible women in our community and a lot of our partners work with those women to share their stories, such powerful stuff. And I mean, whether you're going through cancer or not, it's, it's always inspiring. 
Yeah. And it seems like it's around us more and more every year. Yeah. So to highlight those positive stories is just a great thing. Yeah, and just all, you know, and I think one thing that I like that before we see does is we do like these you know, rides, we do all these events on the mountains, but we've got these rides and skate events where we, it's always a positive story, even if you're missing somebody that you love and that somebody is left from cancer, if we can just celebrate them and celebrate what they went through um, and celebrate who they are as a person and we get out and we skate and snowboard and we ride for them um, at all of our events. So it's kind of fun. That's cool. That's a great, great thing to, uh, great way to look at that. That's awesome. Yeah. The great mantra too. I always love the, the, you do it for the people that can't yep. or just celebrate them. And also the thing that really resonates with me thinking about what you guys doing and how powerful it is, is that young woman that gets diagnosed with cancer. That's terrified. Mm-hmm. You guys are providing hope and that is priceless. I hope so. <laughs> I like to, I mean, and for me, it's, it's just an endless thing, right? Like what's out there that can support people. And I think everybody has their own individual paths on what they want to take, but just, there's a lot more out there than I think people realize, um, with just the whole slash and burn surgery, chemo radiation, which is what Western medicine offers. And like you said, they're doing God's work for sure. I wouldn't be here today. That was a huge part of what I did, but also there's a lot of other ideas, um, modalities, um, whether it's a documentary and there's a lot of healing that's happening out there to support you through those really hard times. And so I think that's hopeful. Well, and I'm personally interested in this too. And what, um, emphasis do you put on diet in the healing process or in your day-to-day life? It's everything really is. I mean, think about it. You got to eat and, Again, that's another journey of itself. We're all so different and individual. We can try different diets. We can read different books. Somebody could say, oh, you're blood type A. Um, but it's we are very individual, so knowing yourself is really important um, because we're all going to face a disease, whether it's mental um, or physical in our lives. It's just we're humans. So knowing ourselves to know what foods work, what foods don't work. Hydration is important. Good water, clean water. Food that vibrates high versus a microwave or packaged foods. Um, you what do you know, mean food that vibrates high? Something fresh. Something oh, that's alive. Um, not necessarily like a live animal. I personally am like more whole foods plant-based. Um, but I'm not, doesn't mean I'm vegetarian. I still eat fish and chicken, you know, and you just know where your food's coming from. And it, the hard thing is, is it's hard. It's hard to afford that shit too. It's expensive. It's hard to be picky. And yeah, I lived on ramen at some point in my life, but I don't anymore. And I'm really lucky that I can choose what I want to eat. But if people can choose, get to know yourself really well and make sure that you're you're eating for yourself and eating for energy and eating for brain power and eating for health. It's a journey. Well said. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I also meant to mention, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, when I was doing my breath work with Leah, uh, it was a guided breath work, like one, maybe one hour or 90 minutes where she took me through a session. It wasn't just me breathing, listening to a meditation or whatever. It was it was a guided deep breathing mixed with sound bowls. And if you're interested, uh, you can find her on Instagram. Uh, at heal with Leah but anyway sorry keep going no no that's a really great point is having a facilitator I mean we're all like we were saying we're all students um that would be my suggestion when you're learning anything especially to have guided support on something like that um but it's interesting 
Yeah. So then we were, we were talking about that and then it was like, okay, then we went to the plant medicine and then, um, yeah, some people are into it. Some people aren't. And I, I, like I said, I had a friend who said I, if I could give snowboarding one gift, it would be ayahuasca. I know everyone's going, whoa, right now. What the fuck hippies, you know? I'd like to ask you about talking about all these different things, right? You can, you can do breath work. You can do yoga. You can do ayahuasca. You can do psilocybin. You can do all these things on our journey to feel better to some capacity. But whatever you end up doing, uh, you have to kind of reintegrate back into life and, and try to sustain a better maybe pattern or lifestyle than before. Do you want to talk about integration, reintegration? Yeah. I think just what you said, that word is so important. It's integral because, yeah, you can do all this stuff. And I know lots of people are into psilocybin and microdosing now. And and it's it makes you relax and kind of disconnect from maybe the negativity or, or trauma, you know. But then you're not on psilocybin all the time. So, you know, same with any sort of medicine. You can't, you can smoke weed all the time and suppress things. But when you're, you're, you're going to be you as soon as all this stuff kind of fades away. And I think that what I've learned is the most important part of the work is how you integrate that medicine and those experiences that you had, whether they're messages that you received or how you felt. And just to clarify, like I don't, wasn't necessarily doing ayahuasca because I was unhappy or microdosing because I was sad or depressed. That wasn't my issue. Many people do and find a lot of success with anxieties and depression and manic stuff. Um, I just wanted to change my mind on some ideas. I wanted a new perspective. And that's really what plant medicine has given for me. And the work isn't when you're in a ceremony and practicing it and kind of in some weird places, but, you know, mentally and physically and whatnot. But it's, it's how you integrate that into your life. Everything that you've learned, everything that you've felt. Um, yeah, and just being and living in those really beautiful spaces, but also the challenging ones. How are you going to face your challenges? And that's, that's really powerful using that word challenges. It, it kind of got me thinking about um, society and, and kind of our downfall in a lot of senses. It's really interesting because you look at, you know, America is built on comfort and it's so comfortable and easy to go to McDonald's drive-thru. It's just convenient and easy. It's so comfortable and easy to do DoorDash. It's so comfortable and easy to sit on the couch and and turn the TV on. And like it's and if you look at what's killing our society, it's it's a lot of the culmination of a lot of these these really convenient, comfortable things. And inversely what you're talking about with the challenging things, the self work, whether it's like, you know, plant medicine or things, a lot of it's like extremely uncomfortable. Uh doing a fucking 1080 extremely uncomfortable to like get yourself to do it uh you know going to the gym exercising uncomfortable to do it and it's kind of like i just had a weird parallel where um you know all of the all the growth comes from the discomfort it's kind of sorry to sound preachy like i'm some fucking beating my chest no, over here but, but it's an inter- i just kind of like made a little comparison to what you're kind of saying there but also like i i think too like you know so many i think being stuck in covid in costa rica i say stuck it was really beautiful there were some challenging moments but my kids were so uncomfortable they were socially distanced and i was very like anxious about having them be so distanced and not being connected with what they're used to and what's normal and all of their friends 
And then I was like, but life's uncomfortable and they're doing it and they're going to feel uncomfortable and they're going to know they're still loved and it's going to be uncomfortable. But you said something a second ago too, that David and I were just talking yesterday where you were like, you know, to get yourself to do a 1080, it's uncomfortable. But if you can practice it, practice it, see it and feel it before you do it. And then you actually do it. It's like the whole world slows down and you're in that slow-mo. I've never done a 1080. I'll just be really straight up about that. <clears throat> but uh, Just put that out there. <laughs> but I know when I did do those tricks and spins and whether it was a cab five on a big jump and it took me a lot of time to practice to get there, it's like everything slows down. It's almost like you could have breakfast watching the world <laughs> go by because you're in that moment. You're so deeply embedded in that moment. It's really magical. So true. Well said. Great, great uh, add on there. The nice little continuation of that conversation. Now, I'd like to get into a guest question from none other than Barrett Christie. Here we go. What's up, Bombhole? Barrett here. Longtime fan, first time caller. Megan, longtime fan, longtime friend. Um, I'm super honored to ask a couple questions of Megan here. Uh, Megan, you're an amazing storyteller. I can't wait to hear all the stories that come out on this podcast. Um, I'm curious, what skills and talents have you learned from all your years as a pro snowboarder that have really applied to motherhood? Like, how has being a pro snowboarder set you up for success as a mom? And speaking of motherhood, this might be a stretch, but... You and I spent a lot of years and a lot of awesome time with Morgan LaFont. I don't know that she was a mother figure to us, but she was kind of like a team leader. And I know she was a mother figure to a lot of the guys. Maybe. Kind of like that. Something like that. (laughs) Anyway, um, I want to hear a good Morgan story. I think the listeners would enjoy that. And uh, yeah. I can't wait to hear this podcast. Good luck. And can't wait to see you guys myself. Okay, bye. Yeah, Barrett. <laughs> Hi. Give her a big old air horn. Good to hear her voice. So good. Yeah, I love you. Thank you for calling. Um, uh, okay, snowboarding prepared me for motherhood. Well, it's a lot of like unknowns. Jumping off that cliff. Sometimes you're really confident. Other times you're not. Land on your back. You got to get back up and try again. I don't know. You can have a bunch of analogies there. Um, I would say, you know, at some point in my career, I was like, wow, I'm living my best life in snowboarding. This is like the coolest thing I've ever done. Does it get any better than this? Holy shit, I'm on top of a mountain. No one's ever stood here before in Greenland or the Yukon. You're just like, wow, this is just so much gratitude. Um, and then you push a baby out into the world and you grow this child inside of you. And I feel like it was just kind of a step for me. It was a stepping thing for me. And, um, being a parent is a lot of planning and strategizing, but at the same time going with the flow, I I would say that there's a lot of parallels there versus like one preparing me for the other. I'm really blessed that I have two healthy children and they're always down for adventure. I think sometimes I feel guilty. We've traveled so much. 
maybe my kids are going to grow up and say, I'm not very grounded. Thanks, mom. But, uh, you know, we just try to create great experiences for them. And it's just such a gift to be a mom. I think that there's parallels there. Um, does that answer that question? That was very well articulated. So, yeah, I like then it. there was the Morgan question. Oh gosh, yeah. You guys remember Morgan? You probably don't know Morgan. A little before yeah, my time. I know Morgan. Crazy. <laughs> wow. She was she was intense, intense woman. <laughs> she was like a den leader. Yeah. Mom. Yeah, that was fun. Um, well, I was very influenced at some point by Morgan. And it was a good thing, and then also I realized it wasn't a great thing. So I started making my own decisions pretty quickly. But um, there were some funny stories. I feel like there was one at Vail. I started spending a lot. I moved to Vail. She hadn't moved over there. She didn't want to move over there. But um, she came to ride with us at Vail, and there was this jump line. You remember all the cat track jumps line? Mm -hmm. And then remember T Todd Richards had a jump, the TR jump? Yeah. And it was like right above, was it above chair seven? I don't remember, but it was like this little tiny whatever. And like you landed and then you hit the cat track. And Sounds and, about right. And so, I don't know, I think some dudes were like filming on it one day. And they were like, don't hit the fucking jump. And they were being all aggro. And I was like, whatever, you know. Ninja said not to hit it, so let's not hit it. Whatever, no big deal. But she's like, fuck that. And then she pulled off her suit, her one piece, and she squats down and she poops on the jump. <laughs> that was, wow. And I can't remember who was hitting it. I, maybe Todd Richards remembers that. And she was wearing a one-piece, too. That's even better. <laughs> the dump on the jump? Yeah, the old dump on the jump. It's a classic move. Yeah, she had was, some attitude. That was definitely very classic. I think everyone, yep, that was Morgan. Yeah, you didn't tell her what to do or what not to do. No, I was kind of scared of her sometimes, but, you know. <laughs> I loved her, and I was like, okay, fine, I'll hit it. Come on. I should just yell at you until you hit the jump. Yeah. Just jump off the cliff, you pussy. I, I went to Baker for the first time with her, and she just screamed at me. Every I'm just, like, in the deep powder, just swimming. I was just barely had snowboarded at that point and, like, followed her and Sean Farmer up there. And I was just couldn't even turn, really, and she's just screaming at me every lap. I was like, I think I'm drowning in a tree well. And she's like, you'll be fine, you pussy. Okay. <laughs> I was told Trial that she's fire. kind of like the the female Sean Palmer. Very much so, I yeah. would say. She kind of had a rough edge. But you know what? Morgan introduced me and a lot of us to, you know, a lot of things like yoga and different ideas. And um, she just, she was out there, but she had something very unique. And, yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about Bub's Naturals and the products that they offer. The first one we're going to talk about is their apple cider vinegar gummies. What's the deal with these things, Jones? Well, I'm a candy addict, so these actually replace that for me. So I'm pretty stoked on it for that. And my gut feels pretty good afterwards as well. Perfect. Well, they also have their collagen, which we talk about all the time. And they also have MCT oil powder. What the hell is this stuff, Jones? I've been using that a little less, but it's coconut-based. Um, again, really good gut health. Kind of evens things out when you're eating all crazy. Maybe some, you know, crazy Mexican street burrito or something. Helps there. And then uh, mental focus in the day gives you a nice little brain bump. Okay, I heard a little rumor that they're either offering hydration packs now or available soon. Any word about that? 
There is word about that. I have heard about them. I have not yet had them, but I'm super looking forward to it. Hydrate or die. I mean, come on, son. Perfect. Well, if you're interested in picking up some Bubs Naturals products, head on over to bubsnaturals.com and use promo code BOMBHOLE, one word, for 20% off your next purchase. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about Granite Towers Equity Group. It's Dan Breezy's company. He was episode 71 of the bomb hole. He's a friend of the show. And if you're looking to invest some money, he's got a great company for you. So here's a couple words from Dan. What's up, everybody? Dan Breezy here with Granite Towers Equity Group, here to talk to you a little bit about investing. During my snowboarding career, I made some pretty stupid investments and put a lot of my money in IRAs and life insurance policies. And I soon realized these investments were not going to move the needle. So in 2017, we founded Granite Towers Equity Group, where we buy multifamily apartments. We come in and add value to every deal we buy by upgrading the property's interior and exterior, and you can invest right alongside us. You don't have to go out and learn it all and manage your deals and become a professional investor. We've raised just under $100 million in equity and have 2,100 units under management in the Dallas, Texas, and Nashville, Tennessee market. And we invest in every deal we buy. Every single deal will have skin in the game. So direct message me today on Instagram to learn more. My Instagram name is at Dan Breezy. That's at D-A-N-B-R-I-S-S-E. Or send me an email, dan at granitetowersequitygroup.com. Thanks. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about the style experience, buds. Canada Snowboard is revolutionizing the big air game with their newest event, the style experience, with an integrated style contest component that is the perfect combination of progressive and timeless tricks, Chris. Yep, that one is going to keep the revs high, buds. Watch the best snowboarders in the world, Chuck Carcass. At the largest big air contest Canada has ever seen in the winter stronghold of Edmonton, Alberta. It's going down in the Commonwealth Stadium, boasting VIP suite options, private bars, heated tents, a vendor village, and more. Fire this one up on the evening of December 10th, Canada. The style experience is made possible through the partnership between Canada Snowboard and Explore Edmonton presented by Toyota. Get on your most stylish winter gear and secure a spot at the winter event of the year on Ticketmaster. Okay, buds. I think it's time for uh, you know what. Huh, Name buds? that video part. Woo! Okay, Name That Video Part is presented by the Icon Pass. Isn't it, buds? It is. Our season of fun is fast approaching. From east coast to west, across Canada, the European Alps to Japan and beyond, the language barrier has just been broken. Turn up the fun factor. The Icon Pass welcomes three new legendary destinations. We're talking about Sun Valley, Idaho, Chamonix in France, and Snow Basin right here in Utah, Chris. That is right here in Utah, buds. Additionally, new pass options have been added to the mix, starting at only $269 adult the Icon Pass Session 2-Day and Icon Pass Session 3-Day offer a range of affordable entry points. It's time to bring the stoke and get ready to let the joy out. Head on over to IconPass.com. Pick up your pass today. All right, Megan, how are we feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Confidence, 0 yeah. through 10? Yeah, I'd say I'm, oh, confidence. And this is on the videos yeah. part. 
You know, I'm just going to be an honest five. Respectable. It's pretty high, actually. Could be a. It's fifty fifty. Yeah, it could true. Could go huh? either it's way. Coin toss. Yeah, you can get it right or you can get it wrong. Fifty yeah. fifty. I like that. It's better odds. All right, here we go. I'm sorry, babes. I, I, okay, let me at least think of. Was that babe for DCP? Yeah, <laughs> not you. <laughs> I'm saying sorry to David. I, I'm he was like, go in there, make sure you get it right. <laughs> no, he knows. You're going to make the family look bad. I was bad. like, prep me on this. He's like, yeah, I don't really know if I can. Um, uh, who would use that song? I would say that, um, that, Justin Hostinick would use that song. That is incorrect. Okay. Okay. So, um, no, I, I can't. It sounded even, to me. I, I don't know what it's from, but it sounded to me like picture Japan, this. Maybe picture this. Nope. It's okay. a different production company. So that's so, all right. Let's keep going down the line. So you went uh, absinthe, then you just went uh, Mac Dog. Mac but Mac Dog. What else? That was with Brad Kramer and Mac Dog. Yeah, it's this. none of the Mac Dogs. Okay. New, old, any of those. So none of the whiteies. Whitey, either. no nope, whitey. it's not whiteies. So is it? Um, well, then it's I newer. Don't know. Flight, art of flight. Nope. It's uh. Um. Yes, video nope. part. So it's <laughs> nope. not Paul. No, he's got a lot of video parts to go through. I yeah. know there's like thirty of them. So I'm fuck. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it is Nation. It's his new. It's a newer part. Um, oh. I kind of feel like it was like you know he's had a lot of great parts. It was another great part, but it wasn't maybe his most iconic, but. Uh, yeah, and, and we actually haven't even really talked about this. Some listeners might not know. DCP, a.k.a. David, is your partner. So, yeah, yeah just to clarify that. And he's had a lot of video parts. I was going to say, I can't, can't, I can't remember them all. barely keep track. But, you know, there's the iconic ones, yeah. right? Back in Black, Van Halen. Mm -hmm. You won a prize. You it's won a, a prize. Participation pack. award. That's a Bomb Bowl prize pack. Oh, my God. You're that's insane. Loaded. filled with, uh, loaded what do we got in there, buds? Sticker packs, we mugs. We got a, uh, a, a cord hat that you're wearing. Cordero the same hat, oh same hat that you're wearing. This is amazing. My kids we have are a, a bucket hat. Speak. Oh, gosh, Lily. Yeah, she already, I, I saw you. that she already had her eyes on that she bucket hat. She had her eye on yep. this. Oh, thanks, you guys. We got some sweatpants in there, some bombhole sweats, oh, some bombhole socks. All oh. that stuff's available at bombhole.com. This Mug. is really, this, what a great gift. I haven't gotten a good gift like this in a while, you guys. Uh, you also have a slow tide towel and blanket, which we forgot to put in there. So, but we will. We got to talk about slow tide for a hot second. Uh, they're in the snowboard space, the skateboard space. They do all kinds of cool collaborations. Uh, they donated towels to Brian Fox's rat race, raised funds for water.org. And Mary France Roy, Mary France Waz, West Coast Triple Plank, which raised money for funds for redfish restoration. We've done collaborations with Alex Olson from 917, Don Pendleton, Jessa Gilbert. Um, also done Bald Face Lodge, Mammoth Mountain. All kinds of snow and skate collaborations, buds. And out of that world, too. I've seen a Wu-Tang blanket. Yeah, they got Wu-Tang. And one thing that you're going to like uh, is the towel, because you guys are surfing in Costa Rica. Yes. So we got you a bomb hole towel. And uh, a yeah. bombhole blanket, and it's wow. uh, available at bombhole.com or slowtide.co. If you want to do some shopping, use promo code bombhole for 20% off. It's 20 or 15, we're not sure. Actually, it does say it right here. Hang on, it's <laughs> one episode we said 15. Tw it's 20, it's, it's 20. 20. We're going, 20 we're rounding up. All right, let's get back into it. 
<laughs> love it, you guys. This is really great swag. Swag yeah. bag. Love it. We appreciate. She's appreciative. It's like yes. all the other, a lot of the personals yeah, we have are so pros. spoiled. You know, they get so many boxes, boxes of yeah. product. It's they're just like, can I just? I'm gonna leave. They're like, this I'm just. Gonna, they actually, what do they do? Is they we give them the bag, they walk outside, they put it in the dumpster before yeah. they fly home. You some know? some leave it behind. Some throw a couple items out. You're really fancy dumpster, by the way. I saw that somebody did some artwork. Yes, on that. <laughs> it is a fancy dumpster. I'm sure that'll probably. We have to chain that down probably at some point. I was wondering it's a about this. Do you, do you know the the amount of money that uh, B4BC has raised? I remember it was some like astronomical number. You know, off the top of your head. Gosh, in twenty five years, a lot of dough. Yeah, the past few years, even through COVID, man, my team has been killing it. We're small, but we're mighty. It's and awesome it's just, just to see how long it's gone on and, for. And we're all just in this. You know, a lot of us. You know, Maggie's been started out young and. Impressionable Maggie Gonzalez. Um, yeah, and she started out, you know, working as a volunteer, and now she's running all of our event and outreach. And Kim Shinner is Lisa Hudson's cousin, who also is breast cancer thriver, survivor. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Curtis started some of the skate events. So we're a small team. Lisa's kind of heading the, heading the tribe here. But we have a lot of fun. It's all about reinventing yourself, you know, and especially during COVID, you got to get creative and especially – we do in-person events and no one can touch each other. God forbid you hug somebody. And I mean, yeah, it was a dangerous time actually. And especially with immunocompromised communities. So we just had to kind of flip the script for a little bit. And now we're finding ourselves back in person at a lot of these really awesome events. So I'm grateful for all the support we have, like endemic to our community, all these great partners, <clears throat> but also growing partners like Yeti and out and beyond. It's fun. Incredible. We're still a name that video part. Oh. Oh, shit. I don't think we exited out. <coughs> Thank you for reminding us that we are still in name that video part. Um, so this one's for the listeners. Basically, if you get this one right, um, we will give you a prize pack. Prize pack, which we're going to throw some B4BC gear in as well as some bomb hole gear for the first person to get it right. This is a woman's video part. And to pick our winner... We pick it off of Instagram. So go to Instagram.com or whatever application that you use that gets you to Instagram. Look for the uh, thumbnail of Megan when her episode comes out, and we will pick our answer on that photo. That's where you submit your video part answer. Here we go. Beautiful. Thank you guys for playing. Name that video part. Was that Trevor's wife? It sounded like Santi. It did. But you know who the part is? Mm -mm. I almost said, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. I don't know. So I want to talk about uh, your partner, DCP. How did you guys meet? Um, we met at a 418 snowboard camp. My friend, Yanwa, Ian Roy, so a lot of English people know him as. Uh, invited me. I was like, he's like, hey, you want to come and train for the X Games? I got a bunch of Quebecers hand shoveling half pipes and quarter pipes and jumps. I was like, yeah, sure. He had an extra spot. Um, went up there. Emmanuel Krebs was up there. Yeah, for sure. Air horn. Air, air horn. And uh, yeah, that's where we met. We just met up there on the mountain, and it's funny, we met at Brome Ridge, and we live in Squamish currently. Brome Ridge is right above Squamish, 
So that's where we met. You're a Canadian citizen now? No, no. almost. I can't. I keep missing that. I'm a permanent resident. And mm. You have to have a certain amount of time, and I miss it by like weeks. You have to. Ha- you have to like be in Canada. A oh, and because of, of Costa time. Rica, it makes it so the time. Yeah, or like just that. traveling as much as I always have. So you're a permanent resident for five years, then you can either be a citizen or a permanent resident again. And I just end up being permanent resident. Mm. So yeah, I'm. I'm still claiming Canada though. That's dope. Twenty years, Canada. A lot of years. <laughs> Respect and and obviously David's Quebecer and so um, and professional snowboarder and you guys got to travel and do cool stuff. Kind of seems like the dream life over there, Costa Rica, and then some winter activities. No, it really. I hope your really kids was. know what they got over there. They will one day. Yeah, one day they're gonna look back and <laughs> be, like, be like, "What a life!" Not everyone gets to hang out in Costa Rica. And, yeah, we're actually moving back to Canada right now. But, oh wow! Um, after two and a half years there, but yeah, I mean, you we we got to live the dream life. We try. Hey, I'll meet you in Austria. And are you doing that Red Barrel contest? And you know, stuff like that. Or hey, let's stop in Fiji on the way to New Zealand. <laughs> Amazing. We did kind of live that. It's quite the gift, um, for sure. And then yeah, being parents as well, being able to travel. Once we had two kids, it became a little hectic and. And yeah, we had to deal with other life stuff, but uh, yeah, we're really gifted and, and, you know, you sacrifice some stuff. Maybe we have one family vehicle instead of two, but we go to Costa Rica once a year. So, yeah. And why Costa Rica? Explain the lifestyle down yeah, I've there. I've never been. I've never been either. Yeah. Pura vida. Pure life. It's, it is a lifestyle. It's kind of drives you crazy. You first get there and you're like, man, this sure is taking a long time. Come on, hurry up people. And then you realize it is very... It's just everything is slowed down. I think that's something we've always appreciated going down there and spending a couple months of our or a month of our off season down there is just it's nobody knew knows who you are. Um, nobody asks you, oh, who'd you film with this year? What was your video part? Or what was your results? You know, we just kind of had this community down there every year that we could go and just kind of it recharges you, right? You need to get to get creative and continually reinvent or create. You got to have a different space headspace and that's what it's always created for us but we tree plant down there now for over 10 years and offset all of our travels throughout the whole year Um, we work with community carbon trees costa rica and an agroforester named jennifer smith she's incredible has taught us so much taught our children so much about the planet and that massive connection um, that the earth um, the connection that the ocean and the trees are and how much work that trees actually do for us, equatorial trees, right? Like we're, we're equatorially tree planting because the turnover is so quick there that that one ton of carbon that we spent on that one plane ride is gone in, one, in 10 years, actually. But the work that a tree's doing is less than four years. It starts working for the planet. So, so what is equatorial? It's within six degrees of the equator. Oh, wow. So the trees planted within six degrees of the equator are going to do the most work the fastest for the planet. Jones Snowboards has a big, uh, they give 1% to this organization as well now, which is really great to see Jer and Tiff bring their kids down there. And they're just, everyone's minds are blown. They get down there every couple of years and they're like, whoa, the jungle is happening. So it's a really cool project. And um, it's just great because they work with local people. That's important to us as well as that the locals are, educated um they're paid um fair trade fair pay 
Um, and it's just, it's a good feel all around and it's great to raise your kids in that environment and for them to see the possibilities that, yeah, we're going to recycle, we're going to try to ride our bikes more. Um, but here's something we can do for our planet like today. So it's great. It's a really cool program. It's incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing to think, uh, if like, like the population, each person did that, the effect it would have. True. That. It'd be kind of, kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Um, now also is the surfing good down there? No, don't go. (laughs) (laughs) It sucks. It's crowded. It's really bad, huh? Waves are no Is it flat? (laughs) It's so flat. (laughs) No point breaks. How close are you guys to the ocean? We live right on the ocean. Basically throw a rock right into the ocean right there. Unfortunately, there's no good surfing there. (laughs) This view that you live so close. It's terrible. Can you see the break from your house? (laughs) Um, Yeah, we can see the river mouth. You can see the crocs going in and out. You guys got crocs? Yeah. Wow. So that's another reason not, not, not to, to surf come. there. <laughs> yeah, I heard uh, one out of two people on the point break get devoured by Crocs. <laughs> one out of two people. Yeah, 50%. 50%. Yeah. I would say. I remember. Big chances. Yeah, like a long time ago. It was funny. Annie, Bou- I was just kind of starting to get into surfing. Had I had Lily yet? I don't know. Annie Boulanger came down with us and she's like, this sucks. Yeah, this sucks. Every break we went to and I loved it. She was like, this, this sucks. And then she just, you know, finds herself in these incredible waves in another part of the world. She's ruling it. Just I ruling it. it. I love it. Yeah. So the waves suck down there. Don't go. Don't go. <laughs> uh, I, I want to talk about your film called Chasing Sunshine oh, with yeah. Paul Watt. Oh, gosh. Paul is awesome. Um, well, it started out kind of similarly what I said before is I just wanted a little something to show people the integrative ideas that I was bringing into my own cancer care. And just like my mind was blown. I just didn't, you just don't know that there's something besides chemo and radiation and whatever your doctor tells you to do. Um, and I was finding out all these great ideas and implementing them into my cancer care. And I just wanted to share and whether some of them worked or not, or whether I was going to make it or not. I know that sounds pretty morbid, but I mean, this was the story for my kids. Um, and just so they knew who their mom was during this, they were both very small <clears throat> reef, especially as a baby. So I, uh, yeah, this was something for them. And, and Paul is, was, you know, someone who'd worked with David for a long time in uh, in all the yes movies. And he's just an incredible friend of ours, their whole family, their daughters, his wife, they're just good people. And I'm like, well, if I want anyone to document what I'm doing, it's going to be Paul um, because he's just kind of quiet and just does his thing and, and creates his beautiful visual things. So that's kind of what that project was. It just started out as a cold cap, whether my hair was going to stay or not during that process. And it kind of evolved. Our director at the time, Erica at before BC was like, Hey, there's something here. Cause I mean, I wasn't, I was either getting a chemo drip or I was outside in nature. I mean, I was always on a river meditating. I was always in the water. I was always watching a sunset or a sunrise. I was always taking my kids outdoors, eating my meals outside. You know, I just needed to be outside. So there, that was kind of what Chasing Sunshine was, was constantly looking for the sunshine. And so whatever I was doing at the time, I just shared it. And that's kind of what Chasing Sunshine was. It feels a little outdated because I don't think I would tell people to vape um, now. But when you I, did on the... Yeah, I I think I did some vaping, but I can tell you it's the only thing that helped me uh, $200 every time I would take these anti-nausea meds and I took, I'd drip them in and then you'd eat a bunch and 
you're still just dry heaving your brains out. And I couldn't get anything to stop it except for weed. And I don't really like smoking weed, I don't, but I was already high on chemo and weirded out. So I'm like, whatever. I mean, it's my, plant medicine, right? That it, it's plant medicine. There was a time and a place for me, and I really got to experience the medicinal effects of marijuana, CBD, and THC. And that was really powerful for me. So it was, it's a good thing to... And I just wanted something to share with people. I would never tell people, hey, this is what you should do. But I think people should know all the ideas that are out there and see what works for them. Good, yeah, good on you for that. It's 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 always good. I love that. It's like you don't push your ideas mm-hmm. on other people, but if they're interested, then they There's can check it out. For everyone, you exactly. Know. There yep. is, and it's all it's up to us to figure out what's going to work for us. So if you know it's out there, mm-hmm. it's out there. Yeah, it's uh, I love the life experience. Hey, this is what worked for me. You don't have to do it. I'm just yeah, saying, take this it or leave it. Right. Um, cool. I was curious thinking about you and David. Your relationship seems awesome you guys have two kids you travel you both seem happy spiritually full from my perspective what is the key to a good relationship wow it's a good question it's a life life hammer question you know it's it hasn't been easy for us it's been hard you know you spend a lot of time apart and then you grow apart and so what are the things that we're going to do to reconnect and I think it's just been an ever-evolving conversation with us because we are who we are, and he's got to do his thing, and I've got to do mine. But where we meet in the middle are the kids, and is it the kids the only thing that are keeping us together? I mean, it's just like any long-time relationship. You've got to visit really hard questions, and um, we don't always see eye-to-eye. We're very independent, strong people. And so I think having something... Like a marriage is, uh, it's a gift in a lot of ways. And I think I'm not a quitter. I know he's not either. And so we just have to constantly try to find ways to take care of ourselves, but then take care of each other in this relationship and nurture it. And a lot of, like I said, difficult conversations and circumstances and forgiveness and self-love and trust and just, you know, you just keep evolving as people and as humans and you got to keep making time for each other in your relationship and view it as this sacred thing. You know, you, you're going to put something in the corner and it's just going to grow dust on it. So how do you keep that alive? And, um, you know, and for us too, we we don't have the budgets to travel the world all the time and we have dreams. We want to take the kids to Japan one day, so saving for that <laughs> but you know how do you just you know keep your relationship alive in the backyard and I think it's a lot of communication open communication it's a lot of trust and um, boundaries and just yeah having fun I think that's the most important thing we laugh so much I don't think I could be with a person that doesn't make me laugh it's important we're always laughing and not always but lots of <laughs> lots of times we are yeah, our kids think we're weird. How long have you been together? Quite a while, since 1999. Woo! Congratulations. Yeah. We, uh, it's quite a while. It's been, cool. it's been a lifetime. It really has been a lifetime. And I feel like I've grown up with him in a lot of ways. I know he has with me, and we've grown apart and grown back together. And, yeah. Yeah, some of those years he was probably gone <clears> for <throat> the season. Yeah, I gotta gone go make a, a video part, especially with little kids. And yeah. I really wanted him to have that. I wasn't gonna be like, "Oh, you gotta stay home and yeah. take care of us." And you know, he was out having to take care of DCP. 
And I was like, you just better come back to us or I'll be fucking pissed. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's always that risk. Yeah, but I never, I thankfully, I think it was helpful for me because I was one of those wives or girlfriends that um, had been through a lot of that. So I know that you're not just carelessly flinging yourself out of a helicopter. And, you know, he was, he wasn't like an idiot. He took it very seriously. And I'm, sadly, we've lost a lot of friends, you know, in the backcountry and to snowboarding accidents. And I mean, I feel like a lot. The other day we were just like, are we numb from this shit? Like, no, we're not numb, but it's a, it's a reality. And we went through a time there, right? Where I feel like Josh Malay, Jeffy Anderson, like it just, just so many Craig, it just kept happening. And you're just like, holy shit, when's this going to stop? And so, yeah, it's easy to go to the fearful place when your husband's out there working in the backcountry. But thankfully I just had to hold the trust and, you know, for whatever reason, he's still here. Incredible. Well, I think it's a good time for pub beer crapshoot, buds. You yes. want to uh, crack open that PB? Let's go. That was a, that was a nice one. Huh? That was a crisp crack. Yeah. How's, it, how's that tasting, buds? It's uh, delicious. Would you say it's cheap, fun beer? I would say it's cheap, and it's fun, and it's beer. And if you uh, choose to hammer some icy cold beers, uh, what are you going to go with, buds? I'm going to go pub beer every time. Amazing. All right. So... Welcome to the pub beer crap shoot. All right, you roll those dice. We'll tell you what you got to do or answer a question or something like that. Okay. Good roll. Four? Four. What is one of your worst bails? Worst bail? God, I've just bailed so many times. <laughs> I mean. We all do, right? I, yeah, and, and sometimes you're just like, thank God I don't have my jacket on anymore, but I'm here. Um, I'd say I took a couple of long tumbles in Alaska. Thankfully, I was okay, and I even flipped over Bergstrom um, at the bottom there. What's a Bergstrom for the, the layman listeners like the myself? The big, giant crack where the glacier mm. meets the mountain. And so sometimes you got, you got to jump over and we get to the bottom of a line. Eka Bergstrom. <laughs> yeah, Eka. <laughs> You're Eka. Um, I don't know. I can't think of the worst bail, but... You know, there's a lot of them. I'm just going to say there's a lot. A lot of, like, really frustrated. Career's worth. Yeah. High-speed Alaskan Tommy over the Bergstrom sounds pretty aggressive. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, I think it's time for hot takes. Let's do it. We're going to hit you with some hard-hitting questions here. First one we like to ask is, who is the Michael Jordan and or greatest of all time, in your opinion, to you, both male and female, in snowboarding? Who you got? I really, really love the snowboarding that Travis Rice does. I really love it. I think he's just in this magical flow state space. I just think, and then there's Terrier and there's Craig Kelly. Um, I'm going to say probably just in for me and where it's taken my snowboarding and where I've seen him take snowboarding from way back, it'd be Craig Kelly. Love that answer. Good answer. Sorry, Trav. You know I love you. But, yeah, Travis is doing freaking magic right now. Magic for snowboarding right now. But I'm just going to say Craig. And for female? Um, For females, gosh. 
We were just talking about Annie, that video part she had in absence was just the so Neverland part. Yeah. Off. Banger. Um, she was going big. So good and just huge. And just the Victoria Jalouse had a segment. Oh gosh. Barrett. That one's hard too. I would say I'd probably give that to gosh, and then there's Torah. Um I don't know. That's a hard one. You got to pick one. I have to pick one. There can only be one. There's only one female, Michael Jordan. To you. Like who had the most, who, who impacted your life? Like when you were young, you know, that's how we kind of frame it. It's like the person that really like made you drop your jaw and was the goat. Well, I would say I was lucky to be in it with her and that would probably be just in the all-aroundness of everything i think that would be barrett love that answer i mean that's it's hard i mean you could it's subjective i guess but that's to you it is subjective says you see it that's how i see it okay if you could see one musical artist dead or alive who would it be willie nelson Woo! hands down i got to see willie nelson a couple years ago but I wish I could see him in his prime. I did when I was little. I just, my mom told Too me young. I was there. I don't remember. Yeah. I just, I need to see him before he exits yep. stage left. He's still out there doing this. Oh, yeah. All right. If you could go heliboarding with three people, just good times, who are you taking? Who's going in the heli with you? Just three, or could I choose four? Uh, four. Maybe the pilot boards, too. Maybe there you got it. Yeah. So let's, hypothetically, we'll say four. Willie Nelson. Wow. <laughs> this is I like this. I like where this is going. I bet he'd have some great stories in the yep. alley. Oh gosh. Yeah. Out there I on the peaks. Willie. Um Barrett and my daughter Lily. Woof. That's my Willie's just out there loving it. Willie and the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an amazing. Some I'd love good to be banter. a fly, fly on the wall in that mm-hmm. heli. I don't fun. know if a fly would do so well. You need to throw a GoPro on when that yeah, happens. GoPro. Just kind of GoPro. Oh, I the banter. I would. Okay, last one. We're actually we got two more. Uh, best style ever. I would say it's one of those Finnish kids. I used to love UC's style. UC had pretty good style back in the day. Ingemar. Love that Ingemar answer. Backman. Let's give an air horn to that answer. Love that. That's the first one, but yeah. I, it's also. Maybe the correct one. That's yeah, the correct answer. <laughs> um, okay, so last one we're going to ask, worst trend. What's the worst trend? Whatever skiers got going on at Mount Hood right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Love it. That's good stuff. All right, um, so you're, you've are you been a lifelong boarder, you know, all uh, obviously pro for a long time. Uh, what current setup are you rocking? What are you riding for a snowboard? Um, for a snowboard, I ride a GNU Barrett. Nice. Great choice. Yeah. And, uh, I would say for a POW board, it's the GNU Barrett. I also love, uh, Jamie Anderson's board is a really fun freestyle <laughs> board for me. Ew. Um, and, a, a yes, 420 for POW riding. She's got a quiver. So GNU's still putting out Barrett? Promo? Yeah, it's that called is so it's, red. It's called the Barrett. Oh yeah, it's it's great. Our board's really evolved, and it's been great to see it evolve with Barrett's writing, which means I can keep up with the board. That's now so too. cool. Um, yeah, 
It's great. It's called the, it used to be the V Pro. Now it's the Barrett. And they actually, for over 15 years, have been giving proceeds to B4BC from that board every year. Wow. Amazing. So it's super long running on that one. That's cool. Um, I have unions as well as the now bindings. And my now bindings are my fun, fun bindings. Good stuff. Now, uh, last couple of questions before we wrap this up. A, um, yeah, what does life look like these days and what are you up to next? Um, life these days, wow, just pretty full on with B4BC with October right around the corner. Um, momming it, getting our kids back into like a public school system after being in Costa Rica for a while. Um, yeah, just got our passes ready to get on the mountain. Um, have some fun trips coming up this winter. Survivor retreats, as well as Ladies Week, Bald Face, which should be fun. Um, yeah, big winter coming up. I'm kind of psyched because I haven't really been in the snow that much in the past few years. I've been on the beach, and I'm pretty excited to get back into the mountain life. Love that. That's yeah. amazing. Um, again, just for anybody that's interested, at bombhole.com, we will have a link where you can donate to Boarding for Breast Cancer and support what these guys got going on. It's incredible. Uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out? Um, Instagram's a good place. Meg's Porcheron. So I'm on Instagram. It's the best way to find me. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'd like to say thank you so much for everything you've done for everybody else. So much you've given, uh, help people with your journey and with what you're doing now and with what you've done with snowboarding. And thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate you. Thanks for having me, you guys. Super honored. It's so really good to see you cool after so long. Mm-hmm. I know, Ethan. We have such a great history, so many good stories. We were such kids. Cool to see you and come crazy. here and sit down with us. It's awesome. It's incredible to see you, and appreciate meeting you too, Chris. Appreciate all your insight. Thank you so much, and I want to say thank you to everybody that tunes in, listens, watches, all of our Patreon members, all of our sponsors. You guys kick ass, and we will have another episode coming at you next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs>